This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Hello, my name is Paul Parisi, and I'm here with Taylor Robinson, the president of PLG Consulting. Hi, Taylor. Good afternoon, Paul. So, PLG Consulting, what's PLG mean? Well, it's it's had several meanings through its history. It was okay. originally founded 17 years ago, called Plastics Logistics Group. Okay. And the founder, Graham Brisbane, was really catering to the chemical and plastics world and how to help logistics solutions, okay. broad-based logistics solutions. Okay, well, I understand the words. I understood plastics and group. What's logistics? Logistics is most efficiently moving stuff around whether it's products, materials. Okay. So it's it's all about making more efficiency, lowering cost, improving cycle time, helping the, the customers make money in the areas that, that they operate. And now are we talking what type of companies? It, it doesn't sound like a bakery, a small bakery would use your services. So it's got to be some level of company. I'm trying to understand sort of where the market segment is and what kind of companies you work with ultimately. So you're providing logistics services. So let's dig into that. What does that mean? So just one example. Yeah, we we provide logistics consulting. So we don't help someone operate better. We don't do it for them. We show them improvements in their efficiency. We help them get there so that they can then operate better on their own. So we're coming in, working normally for a limited amount of time to provide them knowledge, capabilities, a path forward that's going to help them get better. Okay, so let's pick an, an example, not, not an exact company, but what's a company that you've done this kind of work for? Is it a, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, the best way to describe it is any type of company that's going to move bulk product. Okay, what's bulk? Bulk is is heavy, stinky, nasty material around. Okay. This isn't moving Amazon's boxes around. Oh, okay. This that is, is logistics, though. That is logistics. Okay. And I'm sure we could help okay. most companies, uh, consumer goods companies or something like that. But our specialty is industrial companies that move big products in big things. Okay, so... Think, like, yeah, a big ship on the ocean... Yeah. Full of uh, bulk product or containerized product. Think of. Um, so wait a minute, you said containerized. What does that mean? Put in a box. Okay. As so opposed to like a, a big container, like yep. the back of a truck. Certainly. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So our bulk logistics means we can help people move these. Usually, it's it's not as expensive of a product. The logistics is extremely important because moving heavy material around is very expensive compared to the product. Okay. So think of sand or cement. The cost of that material is extremely low. Okay. But you still have to pay someone to move it around. So you have to be extremely competitive on your logistics in in these type of commodities. So in some cases the cost of moving the product is worth way more than the product. Oh interesting. So let's let's Talk about that with sand. Let's say you need you had a business that was building something. They use sand in building, I guess. Is that yeah. true? So is it a container? 
of sand? It's the unit of measure for moving sand. Yeah, so, you know, back to kind of bulk, it's usually moved by a ship, mm-hmm. some sort of marine vessel, a truck, or rail, or a pipeline. Okay. So usually you have four options for many of these products. Others, you have one or two. Okay. So our job is to bring those experts that have moved that product so they understand the characteristics of it, or they know how to move a like product, and they know how to give the customer more options. Insight, wisdom. More options, more competitive ways to do it, taking the price down, taking the cost down. So, you know, people have moved their product for dozens of years, but they may have done it the same way, and they haven't thought of outside ideas. So many times we bring outside ideas or expertise that the client may not have yet. Because it's not their business, really. I mean, they're building building stuff. Yeah, but they need to be logistics experts. I see. So we help them kind of get jump-started with good ideas, and then here's how you can do it. Okay. so that they can build their own capability to be more successful. Okay. Well, let me let me go down a road here of a scenario. So I, I have no idea. So just picking your mind, I don't care about a company, but a job that uses a lot of sand. So what's a train car of sand cost? Just a, a wild guess. I mean, you're going to be more informed than I am, sure, certainly. Yeah, so just say roughly it's going to hold about 50 tons okay. of sand. In high volume, they'll pay... a ton. Okay, so 50 times 35 is 5 times 4 is uh, $2,000, $200,000? Yep. For a train car of sand. Right. And the typical user of sand doesn't order one train car. How much do they order? They order 100 or is it a million or 10? Yeah, in in the world of frac sand, which is by far the biggest sand world now, Mm -hmm. uh, around hydraulic fracturing, mm-hmm. they use large amounts of sand. On average, a well now is about 55 rail cars per well. Okay, so 55 times 200,000, that's five times, $10 million? A million dollars. Yeah, million dollars worth of sand. Just sand. But but you're saying that the, the movement of the sand is actually more expensive than the sand. Yeah, the movement of the sand will be about 75% of the cost, wow. of the total delivered cost. Wow. So if it's a million dollars, it's going to cost them a million and a half to move it. Exactly, yep. Okay, so how often does this happen, that they use a million dollars worth of sand? Is this happening every day? Is this something that's an outlier? Because, I mean, as a normal person, uh, you know, walking the street, getting up, going to work, driving my car, you know, playing with the kids, etc., I don't think in those numbers. I just don't experience the world in those numbers. You know, I buy a loaf of bread. I don't buy... Uh, train car flower. Yeah. <laughs> so is that saying that this you know company A is using a million dollars worth of sand? Does that happen once a month, once a year, once a day? What's the magnitude? This year, probably for fracking, they will use 60 to 70 million tons. 60 to 70 million tons. And how much do they use on one? About 55 rail cars. So it's, you know, it, it, you're talking about a major amount. You're talking several, how many wells are they going to frack? I don't know, 10,000 wells a year or And each one 15. of them is using a train load of sand. Yeah, well, half train load, yeah, half 50, load. yeah. Wow. But they they have some that have used two and a half train loads of sand oh. in one, one well. So there's a range, and 
this is one of the key enablers to get lower and lower cost oil sure. and natural gas. So people, it, it's become a amazing growth story right. because it's cheap. Right. It is easy, easily available. It's it, really cheap. The sand is. Yes, but yeah. to get it there is not. Okay, so, well, I guess that's some of the things, you know, we don't really as consumers understand what goes into getting our products to our table or in our pockets with our phones or whatever it might be. And so we're sort of peeling the onion back here and we're seeing that you're telling me, okay, particular frac sand or that particular thing, they're using all of this sand. And, I, you know, I can say, well, I can shovel it. No, you can't shovel that much sand. You know, so it's a magnitude of logistics that's huge in comparison to our daily lives. So I'm starting to get a sense here of, well, you said it. So a million dollars worth of sand costs a hundred, a one and a half million dollars to move. It's wise for me to pay attention to that one and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to comprehend it, yeah. but the companies are doing that. Now that's not the only thing they move. They move, move lots of other things. So it's not just sand. Right now, PLG, you said was in plastics. It originally, originally, yes. so. What were you moving then? Was it plastic, plastic pellets. Oh, pellets. Interesting. So, you know, before you have a plastic product, it usually comes from a pellet that gets melted down and made into, okay. you know, that packaging material or the product. So that's how PLG got started, was moving these pellets around and, again, helping people be more efficient in distributing pellets to their customers throughout the country and exporting okay. and importing. So it's not like you decide you're going to make a new uh, widget and you say, I'm going to order the plastic via UPS because it's just sheer volume. Yep. So I think that's an important thing to, to pull out here is there's a whole segment of the economy that we don't really have good t- in touch with. We're not in touch with that big world, you know, where they order a train load of stuff. Uh, I just can't comprehend that. You know, you, I have a hard time going to Costco and buying the big big amount there because I'm not going to use that much. Yet you're saying we're really several magnitudes, maybe even 100 magnitudes larger than what a normal person consumes. And so you've got a company that's good at making plastic widgets, whatever it might be, and they're realizing that, oh, my gosh, cost me a million dollars to buy the plastic, but it costs a million and a half to move it. So I need somebody to help figure that out. Who knows all the shortcuts? And that's, is that where you guys come in? Yeah, it, we'd probably get in one step earlier in, okay. the, in the chain. Whoever is either manufacturing or distributing that plastic, they're responsible to have it competitively to the person that's going to use it. So it's their job to get it there as efficiently to keep their costs down, to be competitive in the market. So we'll help those people that distribute it or produce it. Mm-hmm. And to help you, you know, back to the, the, the magnitude of the volume, you know, you're talking, you know, 20, 30, 35 million tons a year of one grade of plastic is used in, the, this, in, really? in uh, polyethylene. Alone, just one grade of plastic, polyethylene. Um, wow, I'm, so, just, I'm just a little yeah. overweight. You said 35 million? Million tons. Tons. Yep. And how big is a ton? Is it like a train car, or is it something that we can, you know, how physical space would that take? Yeah, so that train uh, train car full, a big hopper car full of it, it's going to weigh, I think, 
in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 tons. So a million of those. Well, maybe 700,000. Yes. <laughs> and that's uh, just one type of plastic. Yeah, that's one type. And how many types of plastic are there in that? Dozens and do- no, it's by far the largest in right. the world. Polyethylene used in food packaging and bags and. But it could be just a back of the napkin. It could be several hundred million tons yep. yes. of plastic, all in all yep. of the plastic in the world yep. that's used. Yeah. So again, that's where we got started with the moving. You know, bulk material. Again, you see the the theme of bulk. It's a much more efficient to move it in a rail car versus in bags. Right. Now, there's a plastics company, small niche plastics company, that buys it in 25-kilogram bags, okay. so, you know, 60 pounds. Okay. Their competitor, though, might buy 10 rail cars at a time. Okay, so they're going to get a cheaper price. Yes. And What's the magnitude of price change there? So let's say... If a bag, how much does a bag cost? The uh, is it hundred dollars or ten dollars or yeah, hundred dollars. Okay, so how much would that cost if I bought it in the rail car quantity? That same volume, yeah, it might be, you know, eighty. Okay, so twenty dollars, twenty percent. Yeah, discount could be. So yeah, now I'm that business. I've got a twenty percent benefit. Yeah, it's the it's the delivered cost, right. including everything, is going to be you know ten twenty percent okay. cheaper, and it's mostly. It's mostly the pushing a whole rail car in versus lots of bags, right. you know, yeah. shipped around, handled. Right. So, again, it's all about scale. It's about efficient moving. It's making sure you've got the, the right supply chain set up right. so you're most efficient. So it sounds like we use lots of stuff. I mean, you know, our, our consumer world, and just we consume lots of stuff. It's just hard to get your head around using that many train loads of plastic you know what are they making you know we're sitting here we have phones and we, there's plastic in there and there's plastic in our computers and plastic in our packaging and all that so i mean but uh, you, you think you think about plastic packaging alone mm-hmm. go to the grocery store right nearly everything you see in there is is some sort of plastic now yeah. you know it used to be paper it used to be metal cans yeah. it's nearly all plastic now it's probably a grade of polyethylene or, or some other more specialized grade. But you look at a store. Just think about how if you could just pile up all that plastic. Right. Yeah, that yeah it, it's all around you, but you don't realize it. So as you can imagine, plastics, part of globalization is making it plastic. Because as people urbanize, mm-hmm. they used to have you know their pot sitting there mm-hmm. and the food was there. Now they have to get it on the go. They're working in the city. Mm-hmm. They've moved to the city. It's It's got to be held by oh, plastic. So that urbanization and globalization is making plastic continue to grow. Right. In North America, we use about the same as we did last year, slightly. It might go up 2%. But in the developing world, it might go up, you know, in, a, in a India, might be 8 10% growth a year. Wow. Okay, so now do you guys... I mean, this plastic that they're buying, they have options, I imagine, from recycled and not recycled? Yeah. So you're just trying to figure out how to most efficiently get it there. Yeah, the virgin material. Get the get the high-grade material okay. wherever. And, and this polyethylene story is quite interesting because our low-cost natural gas mm-hmm. enables the United States to be globally competitive. 
in in natural gas or in what? In natural gas, which then becomes uh-huh. that then becomes these plastic materials. Okay. They've refined it and made it into polyethylene. We have world class prices now okay. because of our low cost gas. And right now we export about two million tons a year uh, of poly just polyethylene all okay. over the world. And that could grow to eight, eight, seven, eight, nine million tons over so the next ten years. Where are those countries? Were those people in other countries getting it if we weren't here? They they have some made there. Uh-huh. The Middle East is a huge producer because of their low cost yeah. feedstock, and it's a vast network throughout the world. But we're going to win because we have low cost, mm-hmm. and we're going to go from like I said, two and a half to say seven and a half. We're going to triple that over the next ten years. And it's mainly needed in Asia, wow. because Asia doesn't have low-cost feedstock like we do. I see. And they're urbanizing, which right. drives volume. Right. So I need a cup to hold the coffee as I'm walking from my house to, or getting off the train, to going to my office. I need a plastic cup to hold the coffee. That's is that sort of the urbanization? Yeah. Or or your breakfast on sure. the go. Right. It's in a plastic package. Interesting as opposed to having eaten at home or having drank out of a ceramic cup at home and and stuff like that. So, okay, so let's think about this. There seems like there's this other world going on that I didn't really know about, of all of this moving millions of tons of stuff. I don't even see it, but I I can't even perceive it. And it's, it's directly related to my supermarket, where I go in and everything's packaged in plastic. So are there other areas besides plastic? That, I mean, we talked about sand and plastic. What other bulk things are there? Yeah, lots of energy-related products. Mm-hmm. Coal. Coal is, you know, heavily logistics, very cheap, right. more, more expensive to move it. Forest products to make paper, Thank which you. is, of course, all around us. Yep. That's, that paper product has to have, you know, been a wood product right. processed point. and moved. Again, how low cost. Now, Low cost material. Is there a is there is this a thought in the industry? Let's make the paper where the trees are. Of course, that's yeah. There's more so, mills in the southeast U.S. than anywhere. I see. Okay, so and the same thing with plastic is I'm going to make the plastic where the oil is. I guess. Yeah, gas. gas the the gas has come, and the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. especially Texas and Louisiana, probably has 75 to 80 percent of the petrochemicals in the country are made there, and therefore distributed across North America via rail okay. because it's the most efficient way to move these somewhat low-value products a long distance. Okay. Well, we've been talking with Taylor Robinson, president of PLG Consulting, experts in bulk logistics, and it's fascinating that there's this whole subculture, if you will, of the way things are moving, and it's part of the breadth of the country. It's fascinating. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young 
in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.